Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Pastor Jonathan Mason, and I want to welcome you back to the pastor's office this last Sunday in June. It's June the 26th. This past week, summer began. I just have one question. Where is the summer weather? Several nights this week, I went to bed. It was in the 60s. I almost turned my heat back on. What's going on out here? I'm ready for summer weather. I'm ready to go to the beach, take my boys to the beach. But in all seriousness, I do pray that now that the young people are out of school, that you're having a great time with your children and your grandchildren, taking advantage of these 10 weeks of summer. Uh, I do pray that you're taking every moment and not taking one of them for granted. That's one thing I've learned coming out of this pandemic is to cherish every moment. My boys and I are now talking about doing a train trip across the country just to to see different sights we've never seen before. Uh, We're going to try to get that planned for August. My boy is, 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 is starting his first job tomorrow. 15 years old, he's starting his first job. I'm super excited about what's going to happen with him as he takes on this new responsibility. But these children aren't waiting for us. They're growing up. They're growing fast. And uh, it's exciting to see, but it also allows me to know that I better enjoy the time while I have it. So enjoy this summer. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking to you about a lot of different venues that you can go to. A lot of different activities that are taking place here in the city of Philadelphia. Go to our website. Look at our calendar of events. Take advantage of all of the great things going on in our city. And enjoy yourself with your families. Pandemics taught me that. Well, listen, we got a great show for you today. Uh, I am very excited to welcome on our first guest, Uh, They did something very special this week. They created a mural honoring the lives of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Now, you know the story. Tragically, both Kobe and Gianna were killed in a helicopter accident in California on January the 26th, 2020. I got to tell you something. Seems like just yesterday that happened. As a matter of fact, it seems like just yesterday, I grew up in Abington. We were hearing about a guy not too far up the road at another high school by the name of Kobe Bryant that was going to be a world beater in basketball. 
He had a Hall of Fame career. He lived a Hall of Fame life full of character and integrity. And his daughter was following in his footsteps. So we've got two gentlemen that created a mural at the Tustin Recreation Center in the Oberbrook section of Philadelphia. We're going to talk about the creation of this mural. We're going to talk about what it's going to mean to the city. We're going to talk to them about how they even came up with the concept of doing uh, this mural in honor of the lives of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. So I want to welcome into the pastor's office this beautiful Sunday afternoon, Taki Muhammad and Gabe Tiberino. Gentlemen, come on in the pastor's office and take a seat. Hey, 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 how you going doing, Pastor? How you doing? We are excited to have you here. Uh, I've had an opportunity to see your work. First of all, you guys are awesome artists, tremendous artists. Where'd that talent come from, guys? Uh, I think our bones, <laughs> <laughs> our family. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell me how you got engaged to do this mural uh, in dedication to the lives of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Yeah, the Mural Arts Program had something going on with, with Vanessa Bryant. They had talked about doing a mural here in Philly for a while. And there was actually another artist named Ernel Martinez who designed the whole thing. And he was going to paint it, but he he was tied up at the time when they wanted to get it done. So the Mural Arts, they called up me, Gabe Tiberino, to get together um a team who could get this knocked out in time because they wanted it done by June 14th. So I called up Taki Muhammad. He's one of the fastest painters I know. And we put a little team together with some assistance and we pretty much had everything laid out for us with the design and everything. And so, yeah, we just had to get it done in two weeks, which was like a record breaking record breaking time in Formiro's. We had two weeks to do it, but due to a couple of rain days, it, it was boiled down to a week and a half. But um, for some way, we, we got it finished. Yeah, last last I checked, it's pretty hard to paint in the rain, right? Absolutely. It's, it's pretty hard. I mean, there were days that we, our team, we came out there and it, and it rained on us, and we could pretty much get like a half an hour, but once it comes down, we got to stop the whole operation for the duration of the rainy time. So, Gabe, you shared that the Philadelphia Mural Arts uh, Center got in touch with you to handle this mural how did they know about your work well I've, I've been working with the mural arts program for over 20 years now actually so i've been doing a lot of work probably over i've been a part of over like 50 murals around the city and i've assisted on a lot of projects i was the lead on a lot of projects so they pretty much i was i guess i was the next guy up who they knew who could handle this project Gabe is pretty modest, but, you know, that, that man just said he did over 50 murals in Philadelphia, and he, he's, he's under 40 years old. So, you know, definitely a round of applause for that. And, and listen, and not only is he modest, he said it with no voice inflection whatsoever, just like that's just <laughs> every day, run of the mill. Man, 50 murals is a lot, Gabe. <laughs> that's a lot of work. Well, yep, that's what I do. That's like my life's work, doing murals and paintings. Yeah, I've been doing this. I've been in the art life ever since I was born, pretty much. Yeah. So. Okay. Gabe and I, been, we went to school, high school together. So we, we've known each other for over 20 years, and we've done a couple projects together. Uh, even 69th Street with our Foot Locker. Gabe and I single-handedly knocked that project out in a week and a half as well. So talk to us about the mechanics of 
drawing a mural, painting a mural. You said that there was another artist that kind of laid it out. When you come to the project, what is it that you're presented with, and 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 how do you pull everything together? This starts off with a lead designer who creates the artwork, and that has to get approved by the uh, Vanessa Bryant's family and the Mamba Sita family. And then, um, you know, Mural Arts, uh, they also have to approve it. The city has to approve it. It has to go through a rigorous approval so that way nobody's disrespected. Everything is uh, appreciated, and it works for the neighborhood as well. So once that's taken care of, that, that's sometimes, that process can take months. Yeah, I think that did actually take about, like, two months for them to put things together and for the design and everything. Then there's uh, project managers who orchestrate the sizing and just everything that goes from the height, the width, and what's going to be in placement. So there's a project manager named Phil who did an amazing job. And um, then we got to get colors and put the, the, the team together of who's the, the helpers. It's just a vigorous process that we really had to boil down in, in a couple of days. <laughs> yes, yeah, a, a lot of teamwork. It wasn't just us two. It takes teamwork, makes the dream work. Everybody plays their part. Well, that's what I wanted to ask because I, I, I looked at it. I'm going to have you guys kind of talk a little bit about the actual design and what our listeners can see if they go over to the Recreation Center. But when you when you see a project of that size and scope, how many people does it take to pull that off? This project, the actual painting part, Arnell is the lead artist. So he's the lead artist, meaning that he it was his design. It, that doesn't mean he puts uh, the same amount of time as everyone else. But he, he's the lead artist as far as it's his design. So the second lead would be Gabe and I. So Gabe and I, we map out everything and, and paint and, and collect prints. So some of the work is printed from a, a good friend of ours that does a, a, he does all of mural arts prints. Anybody that's getting any kind of prints in the city, he does all their prints. His name is Ben Volta, and he's, a, he's just an amazing guy. So we get the prints. We, we paint on top of prints. It's just so many different steps to making this, this project look, look the way it did. Yeah, and we also had about, like, four other assistants who helped us, like, block in a lot of space. And uh, is bringing out the paints, putting the paints back in, cleaning out brushes, getting rollers, getting going to Home Depot or Lowe's to get more supplies. It's a lot of little small stuff that having these helpers and people block in colors, it definitely helps for when we have to come in and do other artistic parts to the paint. Yeah. And there's also a lot of math that goes into it. Like, we have to make sure all the measurements are right. And, um, yeah, I don't even think the design was the exact measurements that we needed, so we had to improvise some. Improvise, we had to add fillers. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big process, but you don't have time because you have the rain that's against you, you have the weather, you have the, the nighttime, you have the neighborhood, you have the sun. So everything is pretty much, you know, go as you will. <laughs> and, and And I was just blown away by the Kobe and Gianna folk picture. Uh, in the mural, it looked like it was real life. It 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 was, man. The detail in that picture was outstanding. Uh, Can we tell you a secret? Yeah, yeah. The last portrait that was done literally in a day and a half, two days. Wow. Six wow. people at at one time working on that piece. Wow, wow. You're listening to Philly's Favor, 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. We're talking to Taki Muhammad and Gabe Tiberino. Uh, these gentlemen led the effort of creating a mural at the Tustin Recreational Center over in Overbrook, uh, the Overbrook section of Philadelphia, to commemorate 
the lives of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Gentlemen, why don't you tell our listeners what they will see when they get a chance to go over to the Recreation Center in Overbrook? Well, there's a, a mural surrounding the whole, there's a basketball court where they have a whole new court that was donated. Forget the name who donated, but it's a newly renovated court that's got like a rubber ground. There's new uh, basketball courts themselves, and it's a double court. So it's a, it's a full court, but there's two full courts. And then the mural that we did, it wraps around the whole basketball court. How many feet square feet was that? And, you know, I don't even remember the exact size. Like over the 220, I think. About 220 square feet. 220 square, square feet? Yeah, but it's really big. It wraps around <laughs> two basketball courts. And, um, yeah, the mural encloses the whole thing. And then in the mural, we have uh, there's a few different portraits of Kobe and Gianna. Two of them, like, focus on their eyes. And then there's, uh, there's a couple portraits of them alone on different sides of the court. And then there's also the one big main feature that you probably saw that has Kobe and Gianna together which were a lot of people were taking pictures in front of. And um, we also commemorate their uh, jersey numbers. Giannis was number two. Kobe had two numbers. He's uh, 24 and eight. So we also incorporated those numbers. And the Mamba Sita uh, uh, camp told us that they wanted to make sure we incorporated butterflies. Yeah, the butterflies were to represent Gianna. And uh, there's a, the different um, color schemes that, that Vanessa Bryant wanted in the murals. And we had to pretty much stick to those color schemes purples and yellows and green, black. <laughs> and and here's the other side of it. The Bryant family was there. Vanessa was there. Other members of his family were there for the unveiling. Guys, tell me how that made you feel. What was that experience like? Oh, that, that was fantastic. That was great just to see her really enjoying the mural. And we, weren't, we didn't even totally 100% expect her to be there. Like, we was told that she might come. So, yeah, that was it was great just to see her, how happy she was. So the day before we actually finished, she actually came to get a sneak peek, and um, that was pretty cool for us, for her to see us working on it. And, and just her face and her reaction, she was absolutely blown away at the sneak peek. So that, that was the gratitude for us to see her just smile the way she did. And afterwards, I saw that she, uh, I think that she usually shows up to all the Kobe mural dedications like that they're doing around and she also promoted it on Instagram. I got a chance to see it on her Instagram. So, guys, you, you've done an amazing work that is going to be appreciated for years and years to come. Uh, to Key Muhammad and Gabe Tiberino, listen, thank you for joining us in the pastor's office today. And thank you for the work that you did creating a mural at the Tustin Recreation Center in the Overbrook section of Philly. Listeners, go see this mural. It is beautiful. And especially if you're a Kobe fan, uh, grew up watching Kobe, appreciated his game, appreciated his life uh, and the life of his family, his daughter, go to the Tustin Recreation Center and see this beautiful mural created by these gentlemen. Tariq Muhammad, Gabe Tiberino, thank you for joining us in the pastor's office today. Thank you, Pastor. Our pleasure, man. Yes, thanks so much. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. Let me ask you a question. Have you heard about monkeypox? Have you asked yourself, what is it? Have you asked whether or not it can harm you? I know what I've asked, and I know what a lot of people I've talked to have asked. 
Are we about to go into another pandemic? Here's the problem. When there's no communication and education, then rumors and all types of theories go crazy. But I believe you go to the source, you go to those that have more knowledge than you in a certain area, ask your questions, and then move forward with the information that you have. That being said, I want to welcome back into the pastor's office. I believe this is a fifth time she's been with us throughout the pandemic and has always given of her time, the health commissioner of the city of Philadelphia, Dr. Cheryl Bettigo. Dr. Bettigo, welcome back to the pastor's office. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I know your schedule is busy, so I always want to first say thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for always providing information to our listeners that they can use. So before we get into the monkeypox, tell us a little bit about the COVID recovery. I know that, and I got to say this, it seems like everybody around me is still getting COVID, but the good news is After five or six days, it seems to dissipate. Uh, Most of the people that I've talked to aren't going to the hospital, and it looks like the number of deaths is clearly down significantly. Talk to us a little bit about what the numbers are telling you. Yeah, so the numbers are definitely better, and a big piece of that is what you're talking about. There's a high level of immunity in the city, both because people have been vaccinated and, you know, from some residual immunity from people who have been infected, although we don't think that lasts as long. So that situation is relatively good. And we have new vaccine. We can now vaccinate kids under five, which is really exciting. I know that's something a lot of parents have waited for and also something that a lot of parents are nervous about and not sure what to do about. So, you know, the evidence looks really good for that vaccine. We're excited to be able to vaccinate the young kids, but want to make sure people are talking to their doctors, getting their questions answered. The other group I'm still worried about is our seniors who haven't gotten that first booster. And as we think about the fall and the winter ahead of us with the vaccine getting further and further away in terms of time, those are the folks who are most at risk of ending up in the hospital and even dying from COVID still. So, you know, those are the two groups we're most focused on right now are the seniors who still haven't gotten their first booster and our young kids um, who need to start their vaccination. Has the city implemented a plan to reach those seniors? Yeah, so we've been sending out reminders to people. We have, of course, the immunization registry where we know who's gotten vaccinated. So sending out text and email reminders to let people know, hey, you're due. And then also working with community partners to try to get those vaccines out. As far as we can tell, people in Philadelphia are not necessarily opposed to getting those vaccines the way they are in some of the, should we say, red states. But Mm -hmm. um, it's more that they haven't gotten to it yet, which is kind of interesting and I guess maybe not that surprising. We all get busy. But this is something you can do to protect yourself that really is important. So I've had, obviously, the, the two doses and a booster. Uh, Is there any type of instruction for someone like me who's had that as to whether or not they have to go back for another booster this fall? Uh, You know, what is it that what has science told us about the efficacy of the vaccine? So people who have been boosted um, tend to do very well. If it's been more than four months since you had that first booster and you're over 50 or you have any underlying conditions, it's a good idea to go back and get a second booster. So, you know, that gives you some additional protection against hospitalization and more severe outcomes. 
You know, a lot of people initially, and you you remember this, we've talked about it on the show before, Dr. Bettigold, but a lot of people were concerned about the long-term side effects of the vaccine. Uh, We're a little over a year into the vaccine actually being out in the various communities. Have we seen any issues of side effects uh, that have come as a result of the vaccine? So, you know, the side effects tend to be early on. So, you know, some people get a sore arm, some people get some fever, some fatigue in the first day or two afterwards. There are these rare reports of inflammation of the heart, myocarditis, usually within the first few weeks. So that, you know, if you're months out from your vaccine and you didn't experience any side effects, there's there's really no reason to expect that you would. And, and you know, the incidence of those side effects doesn't seem to be higher with the boosters. It actually seems to be a little bit lower. So there's not a fear. And we have so much experience with these vaccines now, millions and millions, hundreds of millions, really, of doses given we can really confidently say they are safe and effective. So now, as it seems like we're coming out of the COVID pandemic, there's been a lot of news about monkeypox. Dr. Bettigo, what is monkeypox? So monkeypox is a virus that belongs to a class of viruses called orthopox. This is related to cowpox, and to a much more severe virus called smallpox that we've kind of remember historically. It has been very rare outside of the areas of Africa where it is what we call endemic, meaning it's it's established in animal populations there. And so it's been a problem there for many years, but, you know, hasn't been seen much outside of African countries until that 2018, there was there was an outbreak in the early 2000s in this country, but it was short-lived. But, you know, now there's thousands of cases worldwide outside of Africa, so everyone is paying attention. We've had, that we know of, 156 cases in the U.S. across 23 states. And we just had our first case in Philadelphia and one that was diagnosed outside of the city of Philadelphia. Is that a cause for concern? You know, anytime we're talking about a new virus potentially um, being transmitted in the city, we're worried. This is not nearly as transmissible as, for example, COVID. So you have to be pretty close to somebody, you know, either in physical contact with them. It, you know, has been spread between people who have had sexual relations with each other, but it's also been spread by close physical contact. That's not sex. To spread face-to-face without touching somebody, you'd have to be near them for a period of several hours. So, you know, it's not something you're going to pass to somebody else or from somebody else passing them on the sidewalk or passing them in a store. It's, it's close contact. So that makes it, you know, less concerning than something like COVID right now. And on the other hand, you know, we don't want people to catch this and it can cause uh, a rash that can be painful. It can, can leave scars. So we would really like to interrupt the transmission of this and not have this become yet another virus that is in circulation in the population. And that's, that's kind of why we've been working on getting the, the um, information out that people who have a new rash, even if they aren't sure what it is, they should see their doctor, right? you know, get seen, have somebody take a look at that and just make sure that it's not monkeypox and, you know, treat it for whatever it is. 
You know, you mentioned a little bit earlier that early in the 2000s, there was an outbreak in the United States, and it was 2003. It was about 47 cases across six states. Uh, now we know that it's, it's, it's more prevalent now in the United States. It came over from Africa. I guess the question I would ask you is, do we know how it got here? I know where it came from, but how did it get here? You know, it's hard to know exactly. I mean, probably, you know, somebody who traveled from Africa, we're a very interconnected world. So, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this before. Our our tendency as a country to treat health problems in less affluent countries as not our problem is clearly a mistake, right? Because if you have a disease that is endemic in Africa, there's enough travel back and forth that soon enough there will be cases here. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. So did that person travel from Africa to the UK to the US? Or, you know, how did that happen? We may never have exactly the answer to that because we don't know exactly how long it might have been here. There's now some data saying it may have been circulating outside of Africa, even for a period of years in small numbers. You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. We're talking to the health commissioner of the city of Philadelphia, Dr. Cheryl Bettigo. Uh, Dr. Bettigo, as we talk about monkeypox, you mentioned that one of the symptoms of monkeypox is a rash. Can you talk to us about some of the other signs that our listeners should look for? Yeah, and I will say that, you know, the, the classic signs of monkeypox are not necessarily all present in the cases we're seeing in the U.S. So many people who are who are infected with monkeypox in the U.S. only have a couple of spots of the rash and may not have any other symptoms. So something that's new, you know, you'd want to get it checked out at, um, in, in terms of rashes. Classically, it has what we call viral prodrome, which you see before many, many viruses kick in with um, fever, fatigue, aches, the lymph nodes swelling up and maybe get, getting painful, you know, those kinds of kind of vague symptoms followed by the appearance of a rash. And that rash classically can be on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet, which is very, very uncommon. There's only a few rashes that do that, Um, as well as on the face, sometimes inside the mouth, on the genitals, and then it can spread over the whole body. In the U.S., it it, it is sometimes confined to one body part, and that body part might just be the genital. So it can be very atypical um, in terms of what we're seeing in this country compared to the classic photos that you see of monkeypox um, in, say, a child in Africa, where they'll show you a rash over the entire body. Now, you know, the question everybody wants to ask is, can monkeypox kill you? So there have been fatalities from monkeypox. And, you know, among people living in Africa who don't necessarily have adequate nutrition, may not have good access to medical care, the fatality rate you know, can be up to 10% with some types of monkeypox. In this country, we have not had any fatalities. And of course, you know, we are a, a population that in general has good nutrition and we have good access in general to medical care. So it's more of a concern that this rash can be painful, that it can scar, you know, that kind of concern. Uh, and of course, that it could spread. We aren't anticipating widespread fatalities from this virus. It is something I'd be more worried about in people who have. Uh, weaker immune systems, you know, women who are pregnant or people who are pregnant, people who are on cancer chemotherapy or otherwise immunosuppressed, very young children, you know, and and because it can be passed by touch, you could imagine it could be passed from person to person to one of those groups. 
So treatments and vaccines. Are there any treatments? Are there vaccines for monkeypox? So there are antivirals, although, you know, the data is mixed. Um, so generally the treatment is typically supportive, but depends on the situation. There are vaccines. Um, they have more side effects than, uh, you know, a vaccine for flu or a vaccine for COVID or measles. And so widespread vaccination of the entire population isn't something we're looking at right now. Um, you know, if, if you remember the smallpox vaccine, that's one of the vaccines that is available to prevent monkeypox. It's um, administered by what we call scarification, meaning, you, you know, you have to make a, a cut that will scar to put the vaccine in. And there can be some, some other kinds of side effects that are more common than with other vaccines that we distribute widely. So the use of vaccine is typically for people who either have had a recent contact with a case, and so we're trying to prevent them from getting monkeypox, or people who are at high risk of exposure. So somebody who, for example, works in a lab and they might be doing monkeypox tests, they would get vaccinated. But we wouldn't necessarily vaccinate, you know, 350 million Americans. Understood. Well, listen, we um, we appreciate this information. And if any of our listeners want to get more information about monkeypox, where can they go? So the CDC has lots of information on their pages, and our health department also has information posted. Um, and really glad for people to um, inform themselves and, and share information with people they know. The more we know about this, the easier it is for us to protect ourselves and those around us. Dr. Cheryl Bettigo, Health Commissioner for the City of Philadelphia. We know your plate is full, and I always say this. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking time to inform our listeners. And if you ever need to get a message out, you know the Philly's favor is right here for you. I so appreciate you and everything you're doing. Thank you. Take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Yeah. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Yeah. Take a seat in the pastor's office. Right. Find the frequency, yeah. tune in. Get up, word. We're wearing Jonathan Mason. Oh, yes, you should. Take a minute, turn the radio up. And take a seat. Sun.